All right, today is Tuesday, December 6th. The final college football playoff rankings are out. Um, we're going to talk about what the committee got right, what the committee got wrong, look at what the 12-team playoff would have looked like this year. Um, MLB hot stove heating up, especially for the Phillies and the Mets. A lot of big deals signed in the past 48 hours um, and a little bit of college basketball as college football will wind down here for a couple of weeks. So a little more variety that we've seen now that college football is kind of set in stone and we're almost waiting for that uh, first week in January. So Colin, the committee, I think one through four, I think they got right in the right order. The Buckeyes mm -hmm. get in. Ohio USC looked horrible Friday night. Um, can't really justify them being in. They dropped all the way down to 10. And I think TCU, if you look at the total body work, winning 12 games, having those ranked wins, beating and splitting with Kansas State, they deserve to stay at three. And the Buckeye, your Buckeyes are going to get another shot there um, at the top dogs in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was really content seeing the rankings. Did want another shot at Michigan, but um, totally understand you can't really jump a team from five to three. Um, my logic behind putting Ohio State at three was more a Georgia earned the easiest path rather than anything Ohio State did um, or TCU for that matter. And I would argue that if Georgia picked their team, they'd probably just pick the Frogs uh, just on a talent basis for a one one game. But besides that, obviously really content with getting the second opportunity. Georgia's really tough. Um, I wouldn't say I'm expecting us to win, but there's something about losing a big game in college football, I think, that uh, allows talented teams to make adjustments. And I would be surprised if we saw Ohio State come out again and make similar mistakes to, to they did uh, against Michigan. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, do you want to just quickly just preview those games, just instant reaction on what do we think of TCU Michigan and OSU Georgia? Yeah, I think most people will be in the same boat as me. Michigan definitely has a better chance, has the best chance, I think, to move on out of all those teams. Ohio State's going to give Georgia a fight just based on the talent perspective. So TCU has been skating by all year, and they're really, really tough. Um, but we saw that they're not as talented as Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. So they do seem like the odd team out there, especially with the uh, Georgia-Michigan being in the playoff last year. Ohio State, obviously, a frequent participant, and TCU finally getting their chance. And it uh, it takes people a while to get used to new colors. So maybe they'll shock the world and beat Michigan, but I think TCU winning would be a much bigger upset and shock a lot more people than Ohio State taking down Georgia. Yeah, uh, I think TCU – if they can keep that game close in the first half, I think they definitely have a shot because we've seen them obviously against lesser competition and I'm not the biggest TCU fan as I've made clear on this show, but um, I don't know. I think there's something about Duggan where obviously he's not the most talented guy in the world, but he does have an edge to him and his ability to run and be tough and get those extra yards. I mean, Baylor game and that Kansas state game, the only reason they brought it to overtime and won in the Baylor game was his ability to use his legs, make smart decisions. I mean, they have a top 10 talent at wide receiver. Like, I think if they can keep it close in the first half, there's a chance just because, um, I don't know, like Michigan's only big game all year was Ohio State. And that game lives in such a rarefied air in that rivalry that 
you know, you could see them coming out a little flat for this game uh, as they did against Purdue. The, the, the final score of that game didn't really tell the full story because Purdue was hanging in there for a while as a, as a much less talented team. And then Ohio state, Georgia, I mean, you could argue it's, it's the two most talented teams in the country, um, at least as far as Georgia's defense versus Ohio state's offense. But um, I think I would give Ohio state maybe 25, 30% chance to move on. But um, it's one of those things where they have first round talents all over the place. So you just got to play the perfect game and hope you win the turnover battle. But besides that, um, I think that hoping for two good games, like I said, was, was hoping that the committee would lean towards getting a lot of eyeballs on an Ohio state, Michigan rematch, but you know, maybe we'll see that on the first Monday of January, who knows, but looking forward to it for sure. And that's essentially an away game being played in Atlanta. Oh yeah. I'm sure Ohio state's going to travel well, but that's going to be, I don't know how they do the ticket distribution. If it's 50, 50 and the schools get to, give them out but if it's not it's going to be probably 75 80 percent uh bulldogs so oh yeah i'm sure they'll be that's another like piece of the puzzle that makes it a little bit of an uphill battle for ohio state yeah 100 i'm really interested to see how cj stroud comes out because he's been someone who for you know whether it's fair or not has been labeled as someone who crumbles in a bigger spot and i think that's definitely hurt his perception in the draft community um, I've seen some places like from, from reputable sources, like, uh, mainly Dane Brugler of the athletic, who's been doing this for, you know, as long as I've been alive, he said that a lot of people think CJ is going to fall similar to how Ohio state quarterbacks in the past have. So I think this is his really his chance. You know, if you go out there and carve up Georgia, he could go number one overall. So I, I don't, it's, it's really rare that you get a second chance in college football, especially when you're ended the season on a loss. I wonder if Ohio state's probably only the second team ever to end the season on a loss and make the playoff, but the last one to ever do it won the national championship. So we'll see TCU also. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So now now we have two. Yeah. Now we have two. Yeah. I don't know who else uh, on that list. Normally this was one year where there were a lot of lopsided championship games like LSU wasn't going to get in even if they won. Purdue wasn't going to get in even if they won. Kansas State won. They obviously didn't get in. Um, Utah didn't get in. Utah didn't won. They chance. didn't get in. Like there Clemson was, won. Clemson, Clemson won. They didn't get in. Like there was – if Georgia and Michigan both happened to fall, we would have had no conference champions in the playoff. Yeah, yeah Which, the fact but, that Clemson losing to South Carolina cost them a playoff spot. I mean, that, that mutual game of Notre Dame – having both played US, uh, OSU and Clemson and beating one and then losing to Ohio State probably would have been brought up in that room. But, I mean, if they beat South Carolina, they definitely would have had a choice, um, had a argument over Ohio State and TCU, people could have argued. I would think definitely with uh, how they kind of dismantled that UNC yeah. team who looked to be – Well, the second they put season. Klubnik in, it was over, which makes you want to – you know, where was that all year? Yeah. Um, DJ gave you plenty of chances to take him out and they stuck yeah, with him a little too long. The, uh, the portal today. So mm-hmm. holding on the move. Um, yeah. And rightfully so he's no, that quarterback, you know, no matter what Dabo says, that's not going to be much of a competition come next, um, next fall. But mm-hmm. like we said, with potentially all those conference champions, not getting in what the playoff would be in the expanded over um 
in two years, what it would have been based on the rankings this year. Uh, people love to complain and we're two years away. And I already think that the system is somewhat broken. And I think this is a year that could be used to maybe mend the, uh, like bend and mend these rules before we even get to the first rendition of the 12 team playoff, because we would have Georgia and Michigan, number one, the two undefeated teams, one and two. And then Clemson would be a team with a bye as well as Utah who came in at seven and eight, not even really in the conversation. And now they're, um, getting buys and then the home teams would be Alabama, Tennessee, TCU, and Ohio state. Um, and then you would Kansas, Kansas state, state get a home game. Cause they won, but they weren't one of the four highest. No, seated. So they would be um, it's the top four teams who won their conference, get a buy. And then after that, it's just kind of how the rankings go in gotcha. line. So TC would be five, Ohio state, six, Alabama, seven, Tennessee, eight, and Kansas state, nine. USC 10, Ohio State 11, and Tulane 12 because the best group of five team will get in at that 12 spot or higher if they're ranked there, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we'd get some good games. We'd get Penn State at Ohio State, so we've seen that matchup, and now we'd flip it into Columbus, Kansas State, Tennessee, Tulane, TCU, and uh, USC, Alabama. But I don't know how they what they need to do to adjust this. I think maybe you can get – an automatic bid if you win your conference, but not a guaranteed buy because this year, I think TCU clearly deserving of a buy Ohio state, definitely more deserving than Clemson and Utah. Um, mm-hmm. I think Alabama and Tennessee are, are more deserving than those teams too. And Tennessee almost would have had to play on the road in this scenario. So I, I kind of like the idea of the buy though, like your TCU, you're undefeated. And then you go into that game and you're, you're Kansas state. And it's like, we're nine and three. If we lose this, we're out. If we win this, we get a buy. Like that's, I think that's like, we need to keep some element of chaos. I feel like, you know, like 12 versus 13 arguments aren't, aren't enough for me to, to keep, keep myself fired up during the season. I don't know. So Purdue, like, so if a Purdue team pulls off that upset, they sneak in. Yeah. I like that idea. So they would get in, but do, would they deserve? I guess they wouldn't get it. Then the buys would because they would Georgia. be the fifth seeded. Clemson yeah. would have been the two seed. Mm-hmm. Utah would have been the three seed, and and Kansas State would have been the four seed in that yeah. situation. Yeah. So I think what I think it comes down to, if you're not going to assign value to conference championships, don't play them. So if you're going to have them make the top four buys and the fifth one, a home game. So that locks in. So then the next three home games will be the three highest at larges. And then. So I'd have to, we'd have to look at the verbiage of the rules, but let's say Purdue mm -hmm. were to have won that game. Well, I guess they probably would have been jumped into the rankings and been higher, but for example, Troy conference champion ranked 24. They could have been ranked higher than Purdue who would have been a conference champion. So is it, the Big Ten get an automatic bid, or is it the six highest ranked conference champions? Because that would have been crazy if Troy were to get an automatic bid over Purdue because they were ranked higher because Purdue. Um, had such... I think it should be the Power Five because I mean I think if Purdue played Troy's schedule, they would probably do better than Troy. I feel like that's fair enough to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think the ideal way, and again, like got to look into the verbiage of it all, but. I it think is the, um, it is the six highest rated conference champions and the six highest rated at large teams. So 
potentially if Purdue were to have won that game and was ranked 25 and Troy was ranked 24, Troy would have claimed a spot along with Tulane and the Big Ten champ would be not in with three other Big Ten teams in, which is... I kind of like that. Yeah, I think that the way to fix that also might not even be the playoff. Um, The Big Ten especially really needs to revise their divisions oh yeah so that we don't yeah, well they're getting rid of them next year the same side next that year there's the no division more so than the playoff i think the and i think that will happen once usc and ucla join the party yeah though no, it's confirmed it's confirmed happening it's confirmed they're getting rid of divisions at least yeah. for the championship yeah um i like that top i think it would make it even more interesting if they just did top six ranked conference champs get either a buy or a home game and then next six at large, two you two of you get a home game and then rest on the road. Like imagine like Alabama having to go to Tulane or Troy. I know Troy is in Alabama, so it'd probably be more tied fans, but that's like oh no, Troy would not let any Alabama fans in. But yeah, I, mean, I feel that like would most of the people going like, Yeah, like I think I think they need to find a way. Like it's almost so much of like like when I'm think like when I think college football, big thing I think of is like those early 2010s, late 2000s college football video games when you, like, open it up with the graphic of, like, all the stadiums. They'd play a bunch of the fight songs. Like, a lot of that stuff is, like, homegrown, like, small-town vibe of, like, college football that, like, I think a lot of people fall in love with, especially people in our era. Like, I think they're commercializing a lot of this. Like, the playoff is played at, like, these neutral sites all in the South, like, or now we're playing in L.A. for the championship, like, a lot of this stuff, like if you're going to bring home games in, I think the idea of like having to go on the road and like you're, you're Alabama, you, you didn't earn the right. Like you didn't win the SEC. This is just purely hypothetical. You didn't win the SEC. So you're still getting in, but yeah, we're going to make you go to Tulane. Like if you can't win at Tulane, you, you didn't deserve anything anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like no, I think, I think, think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I really don't think that they're like, obviously there's always an argument for who gets in. So Penn State would be the last team in here because Tulane gets the automatic bid. Um, and Washington would be the first team out. So maybe if you're Washington, you're a little upset. But after that, everyone else is a, a, has at least three losses. There's no other teams with 10 wins other than Washington who'd be left out. Um, yeah, and I think with that, it's like the, I think the biggest current issue, which is you, the reason we run into arguments all across the landscape is a big thing comes down to like, okay, well you like, for example, a lot of people were arguing TCU if they lost versus Ohio state or TCU versus Alabama. And it's like, okay, what was the point of TCU going undefeated in the regular season? If they lose this extra game and they're out. Whereas now it's like, if you have the opportunity to lose two or three games, you can't complain. Like you should have won one of them. Like you had, you had a two loss buffer, like the arguments of 12 versus 13, I don't think are going to be, I think the only yeah, thing never, that would we come... never ran into the issue, but yeah, um, I we could we could have had five undefeated teams at one point, and someone would have to get left out based off like how much they won by in the eyeball test. Which luckily we never had. Maybe it'll happen next year, but probably not. Um, yeah, I think so the I think biggest they're expanding. It'll be good for it'll be good for uh, it'll le- level the playing field for recruiting too. I think because now Hopefully. teams like Kansas State and Tennessee and Utah are going to say that. Utah can say we've won three straight Pac-12 championships. Like we are in the playoff and we're getting a buy in the playoff. And I think it'll level recruiting more through the portal than it will 
high school. I think the high school kids who are the best are still going to go to the best schools. But I think a lot of selling points are going to be like, hey, like you're the backup running back at Alabama. You've been there a year. You've been there two years. You haven't gotten your shot. We've won three straight Pac-12 championships at Utah. I know you don't want to go to, I know you didn't want to go to Utah when you were 18, but now like you'll start for us, you'll go to the playoff and you'll be draft eligible next year. Like come here. I think that that level of recruiting will definitely level the playing field. And I think, I think we've seen it already that the transfer portal, like a lot of these guys are not sticking around as long as they used to at these factories. Cause it's like, all right, if I'm not on the field as a sophomore, like I need to be on the field as a junior and I can't risk being jumped by a younger guy. Yeah. And hot name in the news, Colorado, it's Deion yeah. Sanders. And that's got to be the most popular portal destination for any player. I don't know if you've seen some of these clips. Deion Sanders signed to Colorado, head coaching job, leaving Jackson State. And when he went into that Colorado players meeting, it looked like an episode of Bar Rescue. And he was John <laughs> Tafer. And he was tearing these kids apart. He's like, if you're hurt or injured and you can't do anything for us, sorry, like hit the portal. He's like, I'm bringing my guys with me. They're dogs. They hunt, um, which respect, like he's being honest. I mean, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know about football. So obviously not going to question anything he does uh, getting him in the power five, super exciting. And with the transfer portal, they could be a competitor next year, maybe not compete to win the pac 12, but they could win some big games. They could win. I would not be shocked if they won eight or nine games. Oh yeah. Next year in his first year. I mean, you've seen it at USC. They weren't great. Obviously a little bit different recruiting base, but Lincoln Riley turned it around in one year and was uh, one win away from the playoff. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. Like the Pac-12 had a great year this year and about six teams in the top 20. And now they're adding Deion Sanders to the mix. Uh, it's exciting. It's good for football. I think it's great for football. Yeah. Um, over under two and a, or three and a half years before he's in the SEC. I don't know if it'll be the SEC, um, SEC or ACC, because like whatever. I think he'll one be, of the... Yeah, I think probably three years is a good line to, because if they turn it around and have a good year, they win eight games next year, and then they're like right there in the Pac-12 championship. Um, you got to be thinking like why, like someone's gonna break break the bank for him. Yeah, I think the whole reason he didn't get hired at like an Auburn or a even, I don't think Nebraska, I don't think they would bring him to like the Midwest and big 10 yeah. um, at least from Jackson state. I think that was tough, but I think the reason he didn't get hired at an Auburn or Georgia tech is more because it's like, Hey, if you're going to come to Auburn, like, yeah, you can be prime and you can bring in all these guys, but like we, we need someone to scheme up against sec talent week in and week out. I think if he can prove he's going to bring, you know, if he can hire a power five staff, because he's he could get power power five. He can get whoever he wants. Exactly. So I think if he gets into a Pac-12 championship in the next two years, he's getting the first good SEC job he wants. And or, I think from there it's it's or Florida, like Florida State or Miami. If yeah. Both mm -hmm. of those teams are trending in the right direction. Maybe like Miami didn't have a great year, but Cristobal's got to get at least a, a couple few, years yeah. to try to get his guys in there and get things going. But if that doesn't work. Dion in Miami or Dia and Dion in Tallahassee would be well Tallahassee's be like, the dream. Like if he if he went if he instead of got hired to Colorado, got moved to, to Miami or Florida State, they would be a playoff favorite or at least in the top 10 
for the next year. He would dominate yeah. recruiting in Florida. He would dominate the portal. I mean, if you're a college kid, if you're a high school kid and Deion Sanders calls you, like you pick up the phone and like, yeah. you know, these other great coaches, like Cristobal, great coach. If he calls, like it doesn't, it's not like, Oh my God, Deion, like it's, he's going to have, he has the impact watch and he's earned it with his name, but going to be interesting yes. to see what he can do out there in Colorado. Yeah. So, and then I guess another fun question would be how long till Dion's in the playoff? Five years, five and a half years over or under Dion's in a playoff. Yeah. I mean, with 12 teams, it's, it's hard to think mm-hmm. that that's not possible, especially if two of those are going to be at a bigger name program where you have access to more money and more recruits. Um, I hope he makes it. I mean, a lot of these times you see player coaches that don't work out or like Michael Jordan going to be an executive, like great player, yeah. maybe not a great, uh, great office guy but Dion has proven at Jackson State that he can do it and I think he's and now he's going to get an opportunity in the power five and I see no reason why he shouldn't because I think he's going to surround him he's smart he's going to surround himself with the right people he's going to do the recruiting and get the talent in there and and then let the rest uh let the rest happen yeah I think it's bottom line it's great for college football it's great for the Pac-12 and it's great for Colorado when Colorado hasn't been relevant since I Early 2000s. Tell you. Yeah. Like Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great for, uh, great for football. I think we're going to see a lot more changes in the coming weeks with the transfer portals and Alabama running back already tweeted at Dion, like you got room for me, Unc. So um, he doesn't even have to do a lot of the recruiting. The players are going to want exactly. to play for him. So, I think he's also been like so involved. Like he had that prime prep thing down south. Like yeah. he's been so involved. Like he's on the like the barstool stuff. He's like he's so involved in like culture still. Like I mean, I don't know. Like you and I, we we grew up knowing and like I I personally love Deion Sanders. I think he's hilarious and like I've yeah, gone and back we didn't and really like, see him play at all. Never saw him play. Yeah. Like my dad's an immigrant. He loves Deion Sanders. Like he never <laughs> watched him play. Like I'm sure he watched some of his play football because he was in the country by then. But like. By no means was he a football fan. If you ask my dad, like, who are the best football players? He'll be like, oh, I don't know, Tom Brady, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders. Like, yeah. he's like, he transcends eras. And, like, he's just such a brand onto himself that I think that he could transcend the whole, like, elite, elite player to a coach, which is a really tough thing that we haven't seen much of. We've seen a lot of, like, good to mediocre players, but never never truly, like, an all-time first-team all decade guy like Dion. yeah it's gonna be really interesting so mm-hmm. like, i can't wait to see it yeah i mean as far as college football though goes i think that pretty much wraps it up uh we could talk a little more about these bulls like especially the rose bowl of penn state and stuff as we get a little closer uh yeah. is this the first time they've been since you were in high school to the rose bowl uh first time since they lost to usc in yeah we we're that was what our junior yeah our senior year junior. of high school that was uh yeah those year they won the Big Ten and they lost. It was uh, Sam Darnold versus Trace. Yeah, that and was an USC awesome game. Fifty-two forty-nine all-time game. That was really before I was a Penn State fan, so it's really exciting. Rose Bowl, a year where a lot of Penn State fans, including myself, thought that we were going to win maybe eight games, like nine wins would be a good season. They finished ten and two, really taking care of everyone pretty easily on their schedule, with the exception of yeah. Ohio State and Michigan, who combined our 24 and one with the only loss coming to each other. And they're both in the playoffs. So could potentially face off in a national championship. Yeah. So like, okay. They lost two games of the 
two of the three best teams in the country, I would say. Um, and their left tackle, who is a projected top five pick, is coming back. Yeah, he's back. coming back. So he's young. He's only 19. So it makes a little bit more sense once I heard that. Uh, it's real young to be going into the NFL, the left tackle. Yeah, position. him and Jason Tatum, both only 19. And yeah, Mbappe. Yeah, so Olu, Olu um, that's huge. Most of the line coming back. A lot of guys coming back. We'll have turnover at quarterback, but that's good in the eyes a of good thing. State fans yeah. getting a five-star recruit in there after Sean Clifford takes his final snap after really rewriting the record books at, at State College. Well, only took him six years, man. You know, yeah. if you give anyone of a career and a half, they'll rewrite him. Yeah, so he's he's taking his last game. It'll be the Rose Bowl. Um, I love Penn State. He's gonna play. He's gonna play his balls off in that game. I think. Yeah. Um, something that was interesting i was this was actually more when it was like doom and gloom for ohio state when we were kind of doing like you know everything's going wrong the day after the uh the game we lost or whatever but uh, i was saying this whereas if you really look at it michigan if you look at like the backfields for michigan ohio state and penn state next year you could argue ohio state should possibly be picked maybe not third but that those three teams will be as close as they've ever been at the top in years. Cause you're going to have Aller and Singleton or is it Singleton or Singleton? Yeah, right? yeah, Singleton. So two f- soft sophomore five stars, obviously Aller it's, it's an unknown, but like I'm fairly confident in him as someone who follows recruiting. And I'm sure as a big Penn state fan, you you're pretty confident that you got JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards coming back next year, both former five stars, both juniors, going to be draft eligible next year, both coming back. And then for Ohio state, you have Travion coming back off a down year injury riveled, but still a five-star. And then you're going to have a five-star at QB. Cause it's either going to be McCord or Devin Brown, who is like, you know, depending where you, the outlet that you look on four or five-star high four-star, but you're going to have five-star backfields at every single one of those programs. But you could argue Ohio state's got the most, um, most uncertainty especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, which no. definitely has not been the case yeah. as long as I can remember. Um, which is wild. Yeah, Big Ten's going to be fun next year. It's going to be exciting. It's going to come down to that Ohio State-Michigan game, maybe uh, Penn State. Penn State can steal one from one of those two. Then maybe we get a little rock, paper, scissors, 3-11-1 and one teams, which would be crazy for the committee to try to. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of stuff like Fickle's already at Wisconsin. I mean – who knows? Maybe Harbaugh leaves. Maybe he goes to the NFL. Like that Colts job, former Colt Jim Harbaugh. Like, you know, if he doesn't think Michigan can keep doing this, maybe he gets two and he's out. I'd maybe be if he get, I'd be shocked yeah. if he left after this season. But well, what if they were to? I don't know. This is again. This is something tabled for for after you know for yeah. January. But if if Harbaugh, let's say they get on the field with TCU and they lose. Or, or if they were played Georgia in a national championship, and it's the same same story as last year, where it's clear that his pinnacle is we beat Ohio State, we beat win the Big Ten, we get to the playoff, and it is obvious that this does not work. Like we don't have the athletes at our disposal to match the absolute cream of the crop in in a Georgia or Alabama the way Ohio State and Clemson in the past have been able to, you know, top that level and win national championships. Do you yeah, think there's a chance he later. just goes to the NFL? We can get into that later, but that's yeah. definitely, I guess, a question that, um, that he has to ask himself. Mm-hmm. 
So it'll be interesting. I mean, still got three more weeks of football and then an interesting off season. Nonetheless, yes. you want to hit hot stove? We could start with your yeah. shortstop. Yeah. Trey Turner will be Philadelphia Philly from now until the year 2032, 2033, Wild. which isn't even a real year. Um, <laughs> so give him all the money he wants. Really, I think a pretty friendly deal, less yeah. than $30 million a year. Uh, long-term, he's 29, so he'll be about 40 when the contract's up. But that's how these contracts work. You're paying him for 11 years because you know he's going to be good for five. five to eight of them in his prime. Um, love that the Phillies like lose the World Series. They're not really content. They go out and they get what is probably the best position player free agent available replacing yeah. the only real soft spot uh, probably not, probably Aaron judge probably. yeah yeah Aaron judge um which seems like he might end up in San Francisco but yeah but Trey but Turner, Turner was definitely the Phillies number one target and the best fit for them best fit I mean replacing Gene Segura who's shot into my heart and as one of my all-time favorite Philly guys but if you look around not a lot of holes on that team um Obviously, Harper will be out in right field next year since he's got the Tommy John fixed. Schwarber just led the league in home runs. Um, Hoskins is a little bit of a concern at first, but I think people are going to think differently about him now that he's batting, going to be batting sixth or seventh compared to second. That strikeout rate and stuff like that doesn't hurt you as much. And the market really for first baseman is not what it was for middle infield. Uh, the Phillies will move rookie shortstop. Bryson Stott over to second base and they'll get uh bring in Trey Turner, who the two club options that they declined at the beginning of the offseason, Gene Segura and um Zach Eflin combined would have made more than Trey Turner. The starting infield for the Phillies last year, the middle infield, DD Gregorius and Gene Segura are making more money at the start of last year, got paid more last year than we have committed to the middle infield this year with Bryson Stott and um Trey Turner, so a team-friendly deal, and they still got $35 million to work with before they hit that second luxury tax, which seems like it's kind of the um, – The big stop, yeah. Where the stopping point is. So $35 million to go out and try to get uh, Radon from the, the Giants is the big name that they're talking to and talking about. So getting another starting pitcher to kind of bolster that rotation. But as a Phillies fan, it's hard not to be excited right now, especially after – the past two months. Yeah. I mean, that was the guy that, it's really interesting. Cause it seems like the Phillies. So how long has Harper been a Philly now? Is he going Harper into what, year four or year five? Uh, 2019 was his first year. Cause the Nats won the first year without him. 19, 20, 21, 22. It's fourth year. So yeah. So he's going into his fifth. Yeah. And that was a 13 year deal. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, you're already gotten – he was the best player in the league last year if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, and he won and he already, before that. Yeah, so, like, you're already on to – you're already through. I mean, it's only one-third, which is wild, but, like, you're paying these guys significantly less than what a lot of these big, you know, big-time players are getting on these seven-year deals. And you're just telling yourselves, you know, we'll, we'll pay the – it'll come due one day. We're going to be paying – Turner and Harper a combined 60 million when they're in their late thirties, not producing to what we expect, but the goal is win one or two rings during this time. And I think that's a great plan. Like 
I think there's two ways to go about it, really. Like, if you look at what the Mets have done with their pitching, and they go and they sign a guy like Verlander today or Scherzer last year, and they're like, all right, we're giving you 40 plus million a year for two years. You're old. If you get hurt, you're on our books one more year, and then we throw you out, you know, throw it out, start over. But I think those are the two right ways to do it. Whereas you got a position player of much, much more longevity, much less injury risk. You sign him to these super long deals and you're just like, all right, let's get this done. Let's win a championship. And then at the end of the day, you know, when we, if we have to bottom out for two, three years, paying these guys a lot of money, no one's going to care because we're going to be counting our rings. So I think that's an awesome move for the Phillies. Yeah. And uh, definitely probably sucks to see DeGrom leave just because he's been there for so long, but oh yeah, you can't stay healthy. And the fact that you get Verlander who's coming off a Cy Young season he is older and had surgery a year ago, but was pretty durable last year. You got to be feeling like not horrible because like, are you really going to back up the Brinks truck for DeGrom who hasn't made it through season in like, I don't know how long. Yeah. I mean, the, I, the, the way I thought about it was, all right, you, it's tough to see him go. He's arguably at his peak was one of the greatest pitchers of all time on really bad teams though. Like you, you only pitch every fifth day. And then if you're hurt half the year, you know, he, he's given us less than 20 starts. Like I can't remember last time he won a full season, you know, probably his last Cy Young one, but I think even those he missed significant time. Like that's one of those guys where you pay him 40 million a year for five years. And the next thing, you know, you know, he's, he's given you a total of a hundred starts over those five years. And it, it blows up in your face, especially with these new luxury tax rules. Like it's not what it used to be where you could just write a check, figure it out, and then move on to the next one, especially the guy like Steve Cohen. Like they have to be really aware of that luxury tax and losing those picks and the free agency budget and stuff. So you sign Verlander, you got one year left to Scherzer, two years left to Verlander. Probably ideally, I think they're going to go out, either get that guy from Japan, re-sign Bassett. They need another arm. And then it's, do you re-sign Nemo or do you add an extra outfielder somewhere else? And then you're pretty much running back the offense, which I mean, they won 101 games, like can't really complain too much. And uh, somehow the, the staff's going to be better because ideally you get more out of Scherzer than you did last year. And then a full year of Verlander is better than a third of a year of DeGrom. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see the, the Mets finally in a position where they can have a loss like that and be able to bounce back and make that big signing. So I mean, it's it's interesting to see where guys like Judge and um, Rendon and uh, Correa and those kind of guys go. But I think for the most part, the uh, save for another big move or two, the NL East is it's going to be those those three guys at the top again. Yeah, it's going to be be a gauntlet at the top. Probably getting two playoff te- two wild card teams again. You'd have to imagine. Um, but now that I think Turner signed, the chips might start to fall with uh, Correa and Swanson and Bogarts. Because I think a lot of teams looking for shortstops will probably view Turner and maybe probably Correa as like the top two guys out of that group of four. Now that one of them's going to go, I think Correa probably goes next. And then uh, it's probably better for Swanson and Bogarts because they might get a little more money than they would if they signed first uh, with these teams maybe desperate to, to plug a guy into the middle infield. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm excited for the MLB already next year, and it's November or December, which is awesome. And with the shift being gone, like 
Harper and Schwarber might each hit 400 without the shift. I don't know. How many <laughs> into the shift. I think batting and offense is going to go way up with it across the league. Um, it's going to be exciting to see how managers adapt and adjust and maybe baseball will be a little more uh, exciting with a little more hits now. So. Yeah. Pitching will definitely get harder. I think you're going to see a lot of emphasis now back on the strikeout guys. I think lately we've seen like, obviously the elite aces strike a lot of guys out, but we've seen a lot of guys survive like Marcus Stroman on like, you know, ground ball rates, heading into yeah. the shift defensive alignment. Like that's going to be going that down and you're going to see the, uh, the classic hard throwing fireballers. So it'd be really interesting to see how that's, how that stuff changes and how, which teams kind of rise out of the pack and take advantage of it. I feel like that's, all the baseball news that's in, in that's been happening. Um, there's like rumors of Aaron Judge in San Francisco putting bids in on houses, but I don't yeah, really someone know. said they put in a bid on the full house house, and I was like, Is Yeah, this like news? that just seems like, a like New that York, just sounds uh, like a New fucking bullshit. headline yeah. grab. Um, but I think we can move on to the NFL. A lot of big games this weekend, a lot of big playoff implications with. Um, like the Chiefs and the Bengals out in the AFC. The Eagles played the Titans, who were two division leaders. The Vikings and the Jets, will, which we'll get into. But the headline of the weekend has got to be the 49ers beat the Dolphins. But at what cost? Jimmy G broken foot out for the season. And Mr. Irrelevant, funny enough, talking about, I was talking about him this weekend. Brock Purdy comes in and leads the team to victory. The throws the ball 35 times, but a Super Bowl contender and Super Bowl favorite in the NFC down to their third string quarterback and a guy drafted with the last pick of the draft. Um, you got to think that Kyle Shanahan's got something up his sleeve. Baker Mayfield hit waivers today. So we'll see where he lands. San Francisco, obviously the uh, top spot there. Um, but what do you think about 49ers? Can they still, is their system quarterback proof or are they going to struggle? with Brock Purdy at the helm? Um, I think Purdy's like a nice guy to have just because he started four years in college. So at least it's a guy who's like seen a lot. And um, supposedly there was some guy tweeting who like covers the team back from training camp saying like how Purdy looked great. And like he was giving them all the reasons they needed to trade Jimmy G because he could have been the backup. So a guy like that, I mean, he was Brees Hall's QB in college for four years or three of those years. So like really competitive team and everything. Um, Obviously Shanahan's done wonders with mediocre quarterbacks in the past. I wonder if you're Shanahan, how this feels though, because like you sacrificed, essentially you traded down in the draft or traded up in the draft. So you flip first round picks, then you gave up two more for the right to draft this guy, Trey Lance. He gets hurt, and a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, your team's better now with Jimmy G. If if you can win, forget the NFC, because, like, you know, the Eagles are tough, the Cowboys are tough, but if you can win a playoff game with Brock Purdy, what what was the point of that trade, you know? To like, get over the it, hump? Yeah, I guess A playoff so. game with Brock Purdy, you can get to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G, and maybe you can win it with Trey Lance. Yeah, I guess that's that's something we've talked about a lot. And, like, I mean, we could flip to the other side of the game with Tua. Like, one of the things I've said is, like, you want one of those elite guys to be a difference maker. But I don't know if you're Shanahan. Like, it seems 
it, it, it seems like an interesting spot for him because like do you go out and get Baker Mayfield? Like, would you try and go get Baker Mayfield? He's played in a similar system. He's won playoff games. I think he's absolute ass. I would just take Purdy, figure it out. I would live and die with Purdy. I would not touch Baker Mayfield. You wouldn't even bring him into the room, even if you plan on Mm -hmm. starting Purdy. Because the second Purdy throws two picks, it's going to be, it's going to be swirling. And I don't want my Mr. Irrelevant rookie having to deal with that. Do they even have a fourth quarterback rostered? I have no idea. Like they don't. I don't. So you need another one? Is Nick Mullins available? Nick Mullins has won them games. I don't. I think he's on the uh, Vikings because I think we didn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did this last week. Yeah. We're talking about quarterbacks who are getting paid more than Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, He's on the Vikings. So, I mean, I guess, I guess you were CJ. We're CJ Beathard. Uh, didn't we talk about this? Jacksonville. So I don't know. I mean, you might have to go out like trade deadlines over, obviously. There's some practice squad guys. You could probably get, I just think Baker's like Baker sucks. And like, do you want a former first round pick? If he's just going to be your backup. If the alternate is someone who's on a practice squad somewhere, but he just got cut by the Panthers. Like he got beat out by an XFL guy. And Sam Darnold. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, something about him getting cut makes it seem like almost surefire that he's going to San Francisco. That's um, true. Which, also, the Panthers, like, they got an interim coach. They're not, like, I don't know what they're doing. They just need to That's hit, fair. like, the total reset button. And that might have cleared him some cap space, maybe. I don't know how waivers work. Maybe if he gets picked up, they get a little bit of a break. I think if someone picks him up, you pick up his contract. But if he clears waivers, he can sign with whoever he wants. Which is probably why they cut him, because they think yeah. the 49ers will pick him up. Um, yeah, and I mean, if the Niners pick him up, I would trust Shanahan. But then again, Shanahan took Trey Lance over Fields and Mac Jones, who's, I mean, Fields looks electric, but Mac Jones doesn't look special. So I don't know. We didn't really. Get I think it's unfair Lance. to evaluate Trey Lance. Uh, I think it's unfair to evaluate Trey Lance at, at this point. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he had like one and a half games. Yeah, he played a game in a monsoon and then got destroyed. Yeah. Um, so I guess if you want to flip to the other side of the ball, though, Tua plays the best defense in the league and. Doesn't look the best. I mean, the first game, first game they lost all year where he played the whole game. He didn't even play the whole game, but he basically played the whole game. Yeah. Um, Waddle got hurt. He threw a couple picks, but I mean, he had 300 yards, two touchdowns, 18 for 33 isn't fantastic. But um, when you lose Waddle, um, I think that definitely hurts. Tyreek Hill had a big game, nine receptions. But other than that, like no one had more than so i think that's something that mcdaniel has to work out and not be so reliant on on those two guys but looking at the numbers here they really didn't even like run that many plays they had eight rushes in the game which is a problem Mm -hmm. you're throwing and they threw the ball 33 times so they only ran 40 plays um but and the 49ers ran like almost close to 70 plays. So I think that tells a lot of the story too. Um, That's, I think this game also wasn't Dolphins. as close as the score seemed as a man who had the over and was watching at the end. 
they had a little they had an interception where that would have ended the game but it turned into a pick six so losing by 16 is more like losing by nine which isn't much better but um I don't know like that's a tough game on the road people lose games like that like the Vikings got smoked by the Cowboys yeah and it doesn't you can't you can't put it all on one game but uh, that was a good chance for them to jump into to potentially the one seed in the AFC if they were to have won that game. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that they might run into in Miami is the issue of like, we saw it against the Bills. The Bills ran like double the amount of plays. The Niners ran like double the amount of plays. Like they love throwing the ball. They try and get these explosive guys in space. Like at some point your defense in a playoff game, if you're trying to run half the amount of plays as the other team. That's something you could run into. But overall, I mean, I don't think the Dolphins can win a Super Bowl, but I still think they could beat anyone in a playoff game, just one off. So, I mean, that's that was a fun game, but I think the the biggest storyline out of that is where do you go from here if you're the uh, if you're the uh, 49ers at quarterback? Yeah. It also depends who the Dolphins line up with because they're probably – the Bills will probably hold on to win that division, which means that – they would either end up playing um, the Chiefs or maybe the Bengals on the road or the Titans on the road, which are all even the Ravens. I think the they Ravens could be the Titans. Are like all fairly experienced playoff teams, um, and like coaches, they all have coaches who have won multiple playoff games. So uh, could be an uphill battle in the playoff for McDaniel there on the road. Yeah, especially a first year coach. Yeah. Um, head over to the NFC. The Eagles are fully back. They were resting their starters in the fourth quarter. Beat the Titans 35-10. A.J. Brown revenge game. Two touchdowns, 140 yards. Uh, Just Jalen Hurts, almost 400 yards passing. Four total touchdowns, and he didn't even play the last 12 minutes of the game. I was a little nervous about this team for a little bit, but the run defense was back. Derrick Henry, 11 carries for 30 yards. They really were just bottled up. Um, If you take away, other than Tannehill, they had 18 rushes for 40 yards. Um, So feeling really good, really strong, coming into like the stretch of the season where we got a lot of division games coming up. And the Vikings. Yeah, when do you guys play the Cowboys? Christmas Eve. Okay, I think that's the game. Like, I think the rest of the season for the NFC is just let's see what the Niners do and let's see what happens in Cowboys Eagles. Cause I, yeah, I, I watched the Vikings have a relatively easy schedule, but we do have that word game up and we have the tiebreaker. So we need them to stumble once. And I think if this team has to play their starters and win every game for the rest of the year, I think that they can finish 15 and two, which is just winning four out of the last five where it's, Two against the Giants who are running out of steam. One oh, they'll beat the... the Giants twice. That's that's just like the Eagles are a really good team. I don't think really good teams lose to like like the Giants tied the, the Magic's run out. I don't. Know. I watched some of that. I game. agree. I agree. Cowboys on the road will be hard, but yep. then it's the Giants twice, the Saints, and and then that cow Cowboys Giants Giants Saints. You played the Commanders twice. You played the that'll be two against the Cowboys, two against the oh the at the Bears. Okay, yeah, I think you guys could win that with Minshew. So, 
Wish um, the Jets could help us out a little bit this week, but yeah, I mean, speaking of the Eagles, Vikings, I, mean, I, was, I feel like there's Jalen Hurts is the MVP candidate. I feel like there's not much else to say. Like they're rolling, they can, they're kind of back. If they lost this game, it would have been concerning, but they really came out in 60 minutes of real, not even competitive football. So, yeah, the NFC at this point, I'm just ready to get to the playoffs. Like the AFC playoff picture is like kind of fun, especially like the Jets are on like the absolute fringe. So it's, yeah more interesting for me but like to me it's just eagles cowboys like i don't i don't know if i don't think brock purdy can win a road playoff game so like i don't think baker mayfield can either i know he did in pittsburgh but like that's that's not that whatever we're not talking about baker mayfield anymore i think brock purdy could win a road playoff game if it is in tampa bay Oh yeah, I meant more like I don't think he can win yeah, a road playoff yeah, game Seattle in can, Philly. Can hold yeah. on to that division, then that changes everything. Even though they, uh, what they do this week, they oh they beat they did beat the Rams, but um, yeah, that now is like up for like if if the Forty ers don't win win their division, I think that they definitely don't aren't really too much of a threat to be honest. Yeah, and speaking of the Vikings, I mean. My two data points on the Vikings are this. So I've seen them play at least three games. I've seen them get blown out by the Eagles, the number one seed. I've seen them get blown out by the Cowboys. Granted, these were both on the road, but still. Blown out by the Cowboys so much so that they got taken off national airways. And that's the – I know they're going to be whatever, the first wild card technically, but for all intents and purposes, that's the second best team in the NFC. So those are your first two. Like, that's like the equivalent of like Penn State, right? Like Penn State beats everyone they need to. They play Michigan, they play Ohio State, and they lose. So like, you know, you know where they belong. They're not a bad team, but they're not on that echelon. And then my second data point was I watched them this week, and Justin Jefferson's incredible. Kirk Cousins is the peak of mediocrity. So he's not like in the middle of mediocre. He's like the peak of mediocre, and we've talked about this. He's extra medium. Yes, he's extra medium rare. He's medium rare plus. <laughs> so he, he uh, I watched and like this week. So I was, um, I have like one of my close friends from home. He's a Mets and Jets fan, but we just have like two very different outlooks on our fandom. Uh, also, he's also a Knicks fan. So we like like all the same teams pro sports wise. And he's extremely positive. He constantly believes. I like make fun of him sometimes. I tell him he reminds me of like a little kid because like he's so like, Oh, and like the, you know, Mike White's going to be our franchise saver or like, oh, Julius Randall is like the next coming of Carmelo and like all these things that are just like, you know, very wishful thinking. And meanwhile, I'm like, Julius Randall averaging 25 points is the worst thing for the Knicks, like either tank or be good, like don't be in the middle or like Mike White is the definition of mediocre. Like we, I would love to make the playoffs with him, but like he will never be the answer. Like if he wins a playoff game and we give him too much money, like that's going to set the franchise back. Like that's just my outlook in general because I've had to deal with these teams for so long. And I was telling him like, this was us getting exposed. This was during the first half. I was like, this is us getting exposed. It's 20 to three Mike white. Like we're throwing on third and seven. We throw a two yard pass and we can't get the extra five because it's Mike white. Like it's once teams figure them out, it's over. And then in the second half, the Vikings look horrible. Like they had like 11 yards of offense in the third quarter. They had the one when they needed a touchdown drive. Jefferson came up huge. He had a touchdown catch. He had multiple catches on third down. Like they were very efficient that way. But 
the fact that they let Mike White and the Jets get in the red zone six times in the second half. And luckily for them, they came up with five field goals and they couldn't stuff it in on first and goal from the five and then second and goal from the one. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like that, I think that game said more to me about the Vikings being not a real threat than anything about the Jets. Like the Jets went on the road against a nine and two team and had five different chances to win the game, which is equal parts frustrating and encouraging. But like, if you're the Vikings, if you're a nine and two team and you think you're a Super Bowl contender, when you're up 20 to three in the first half with a minute left, you should win that game by at least a score, like a full touchdown. Yeah, the Vikings are TCU, I think. Yeah, the Vikings are TCU. So they just keep getting by, like by the skin of their teeth. Um, they probably will win a playoff game because they'll play Seattle, Washington, the Giants who they're better than those teams, but then the next round is where they fall, which honestly for the Eagles, we're assuming that the Cowboys are going to win that playoff game against um, whoever they play out of the AFC South or the NFC South. So as an Eagles fan, you obviously want to avoid them division game, probably the second best team. So the Eagles will probably be rooting for whoever those other two wild card teams are below them, whether that be, two out of the Giants, the Commanders, and the Seahawks, because if not, they could have a very fired up and angry Dallas team coming into Philadelphia. Um, But I'm not scared of the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I think the most Tom Brady and the most Dallas Cowboy thing of all time, and you let me know if you disagree, but the Cowboys losing on the road to a 8-9 Tampa Bay Tom Brady team, that does that not make perfect sense on wildcard weekend? No, it like does. The, like I, yeah. they, they just, they beat the shit out of the bad teams. It's like, oh, they put 54 on the Colts because the Colts like rolled over and died and they kept kicking yeah. them while they were down and they're ready to hang the banner. Um, who knows? Like they're apparently meeting with Jerry Jones and Odell soon. So like, we'll see what happens, but I like the Cowboys have showed me nothing to convince me to believe that they can win three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. Nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When yeah, they, I think they, the they NFC play well is... at home. If they were the one seed, like if the Eagles fall and they able, are able to catch them, which I think is really unlikely with looking at both of their schedules, then I would be – I mean, I'd be very nervous for the Eagles, but then I would be, like, nervous that the Cowboys might make the Super Bowl. But right now, I'm not. Yeah. I think the, I think right now the – the entertainment you're going to get out of the rest of the NFL season is Christmas Eve Eagles Cowboys. And then the AFC playoff picture, because you got the wild card. You have essentially five teams for three spots. The AFC North, you have Cincinnati versus the Ravens. You have the AFC East, which I mean, I think it's the bills to lose, but, and then the fight between Cincinnati, you know, Burrow Allen and Mahomes for the top three seeds that's that's the entertainment and then the rest of the rest of the stuff in the nfc is pretty much just cowboys and eagles at this point yeah and maybe if i don't know who the answer quarterback could be but maybe if they get somebody who's good the rest of that team's so talented that they might be able to get there but speaking of burma Mahomes, that was another great game um might be a little rivalry for me but hard to say it's a rivalry when one team wins every time joe burrow three and oh against patrick mahomes only quarterback to beat him three times other than Tom Brady. 
Um, and the only one to do it three times in a row. The Bengals are starting. They're coming into form. Joe Mixon didn't play, and then J- and Jamar Chase came back, so they'll be getting Mixon back next week. Chase, they'll get a few weeks to gel. Um, Lamar goes down, so maybe the division, they're tied. Maybe they can uh, pick up some ground there. If they win that division, there's no reason to think that they can't get back to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I see, the thing with that Chiefs game is like, I don't know, I watched a lot of it. And to me, it just gave off the energy of like the Chiefs usually lose one of these a year. I I think if that game's an arrowhead in the playoffs, I know they came back last year and like technically the Chiefs should be a little worse without Tyreek Hill, but I'm still betting on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah, but I mean, this game, yeah, like you said, this game was an arrowhead last year. Same situation. Yeah. They said on the broadcast, Patrick Mahomes went up by 14 points is. 42 or 44 and two against the rest of the NFL. And he's own two against the Bengals. So something yeah. about this Bengal team, they make adjustments. Um, and if they play them again, like if they can keep it close, maybe they yeah. don't have to. Uh, they don't if have you're to the back. chiefs, I mean, are you more afraid of the bills or the Bengals? Cause I'm still more afraid of the bills. Um, yeah, I probably agree. I think the bills are, are, I don't know. I it's, it's tough. They're like, they're one, two. Um, yeah. They beat the bills last year, came down to the last play and, and the, the Bengals took everything to beat them. Uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're probably just most concerned with trying to get home field, not one seed. So the bills now have that spot at nine and three chiefs also nine and three, but obviously bills beat them back in October. So the bills kind of have everything in front of them for the one seed, in which case you're definitely more afraid to play in Buffalo than you are to host Cincinnati. Um but the AFC could go a lot of different ways. The Bills are the one seed, but they only have a game lead on the Dolphins, who beat them head to head, right? Yeah, but then they have that late December game comes up in Buffalo. So that game will be massive. That could yeah. be Bills win. They're the one seed. If they lose, they could be the five seed. Yeah. Uh, and same with the Dolphins. If the Dolphins win, they could jump up to the one or the two. If they lose, they could be like the five or the six, depending on what the Bengals and the Ravens do. So. NFC, like we said, is kind of like not set because we do have Giants, Commanders, Seahawks, and now really the 49ers even for those three spots. But 49ers should be okay. So I'd say Seahawks, Giants, Commanders, three teams, two spots. Um, That's more of the drama there. Who gets in? Not necessarily who moves on. More so the seeding in the AFC is a little more impactful because we have those quarterbacks that we like to talk about, Allen, Mahomes. Um, Lamar, Burrow, who can all make a deep run, maybe even the Chargers if they get in, but who knows? Like they just are so inconsistent. That's such a way, it's such a waste of Justin Herbert. Like put Justin Herbert on the Jets, and then you have five like up and coming young like quarterbacks on great teams. Like that coach needs to be fired, that offense coordinator needs to be fired, and they they, they need to get that curse off of them that the Chargers always have because that guy's awesome, but. For some reason, they, the Chargers are always, they just, they're the Chargers. There's like no other way to describe it. Phillip Rivers had to deal with the same shit. LaDainian Tomlinson, like always super talented and just never enough. Yeah, they are. I can't imagine how frustrating it is to be a Charger fan. They seem like the most. Well, they don't exist. So <laughs> there's That's like 10 true. of them. They seem like the most injured team of all time though. Yeah, but. Maybe hopefully knock on what he doesn't get in the playoffs because 
I mean, for him to get in, the Jets are the most likely team to fall out. But that's the thing. Like, people who think that Mike White's the answer, like, I see people on, I'm, you know, I, I follow a lot of guys on Jets Twitter. I have a handful of Jets friends that think Mike White could be the guy. It's like, dude, you turn on Mike, like, you know, gets the ball to Garrett Wilson's getting the ball in the, in the right playmaker's hands. But there's a difference between getting the ball to your playmakers and letting them make plays and the sport that Allen Mahomes, Lamar Burrow, like those, those guys Jaylen are doing Hurts. stuff. Yeah. I mean, Jay, dude, that, that throw Jalen hurts had where he, I didn't watch any of that game. Cause I was watching the jets, but the throw he had to AJ Brown where it literally just dropped in the bucket. I have never like, I think I saw someone tweet this and it kind of opened my eyes and like took away a little bit of my bias. And it was like, if you watch Jalen hurts, the Jalen hurts that got benched at Alabama versus the Jalen hurts now. And even the Jalen hurts last year versus the Jalen hurts. Now, this is like a masterclass in quarterback improvement. We've never seen in our lives. And like, we won't, we won't really fully see it until like, you know, we see some playoff games and stuff and see like, on the biggest stage, if he's gotten actually as better as we think, but like, I've never, like, I think that's one of the, one of the blind spots I have is I just kind of assumed like these, these elite quarterbacks, they come on the scene and they, you know, they're highly drafted and either they pop right away or they have all the traits like Josh Allen, where when they finally pop, it's like, wow, they put it together. Whereas Jalen hurts. I mean, his legs are definitely a huge, huge factor for him. And I think that, if he didn't have that, you know, he would be a little further behind, but you, you can't argue that he's not, you know, the most, one of the most dynamic players, like a guy like Justin Fields is throwing game losing interceptions every week. Whereas Jalen hurts takes care of the ball and has that dynamic ability and makes the throws he needs to like, it's, it's really no argument at this point. I'm going to have to eat my, you know, eat my shoe or whatever they say on that one. Yeah. Um, well, Jalen hurts this weekend, 29 for 39. 380 and three touchdowns you talk about the feet ran for 12 yards yesterday he yeah it's it just his dynamic air. movement in the pocket yeah, it is, like but that's it's, not it's like, awesome like a guy like justin fields is electric but you look in the box score and he's got 125 passing yeah. yards which you, that you, what you realize is like not necessarily sustainable you get someone who can bottle up like this game jalen hurts he has his legs which is a great added bonus but He's not relying. Obviously, he's in his second year, and I think I do think her, uh, Fields is going to be good. But he doesn't like this game. He sat back. He's got a great offensive line. He just sat back and dealt. Um, and he had five rushes for twelve yards. I watched the game. Three of those were QB sneaks on third and short, fourth and short. Yeah. So really, like, not a lot of designed runs. He's making the right reads on the RPOs. Uh, and just absolutely dealing. Jalen, A.J. Brown, eight for 120 and two touchdowns. Had a great little celebration where he whipped the uh, the field goal post and then gave it a hug. He said, he said, I got to whoop you, but I still love you. Regards to the Titans and that trade. So he's definitely getting the last laugh as the Eagles are. 11 and one. Uh, really like kind of dominating teams like 2017 season. It's exciting, and I've said to to people in my in my Eagles circles, anything short of going of winning the NFC this year is going to be extremely disappointing. The one C they essentially have a two game lead on with five to play, playing that would be a Metsy and level collapse if they lost yeah, it'd that. Be, it'd be really bad, and then obviously 
losing it like losing a home playoff game is um kind of unacceptable uh you're never you never lose a home playoff game and you're like well at least we got in like not yeah that's like a rare circumstance where it's like if you're the buccaneers this year and you lose a home playoff game to the cowboys it's like well or like i don't know maybe maybe like if you're like the the falcons win the division That's, or the yeah, Panthers, that's then it's like because yeah, right, the Buccaneers have brains. We somehow got in the playoffs, and it'll be good to get. You're never like, oh, it's good that Jalen Hurts got playoff experience when you're if you go 15 and two and you yeah. lose in the first round. It's not like, oh, well, it's good experience. That's a yeah. Like you, what do you do all this for if you're not gonna? Yeah, even and I that? think I think Hurts is a great example of you know you see all these young quarterbacks and 90 percent of the time they have a horrible offensive line like Joe Burrow like horrible offensive line whatever but like he was able to overcome it Jalen Hurts like he's a running QB like or at least he was when he came to the league you know and if he had a bad offensive line you know he could have ended up like a Zach Wilson or one of these guys who's like you know even a Justin Fields always on the move trying to make plays with his legs like he had that foundation in front of him to allow him to develop as a passer and now he can use his legs as that extra component and I'm sure they'll play it, you know, use it more in the playoffs and bigger games. Like I'm sure you'll see him use some more design runs in the Cowboys game. They think he can use it as a threat and an element rather than it's a security blanket, which is awesome to see, you know, that that's credit to the, to the Eagles front office. I mean, they've, they've been developing these guys like my who I had never heard of until, you know, maybe last year, he has a golden voice. If you heard yes. him in, Unbelievable! Like what? Unbelievable! Like, well, he was unfucking uh, believable. He was on the Masked Singer. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. which I realized after doing some research. So I, I've seen that. I, I've never met anyone who's met the Masked Singer, but it is apparently always the number one show on TV. Not sure how that's possible, but yeah, yeah Jordan Mailata can do it all. Yeah, awesome. And then I mean, like they're just Lane Johnson. I mean, and then you, you see how they do this though. Like last year, they have a second round pick. They have arguably the best center in the league. I mean, again, I'm not like a a center evaluator, so that could be wrong, but Jason Kelsey for all intents and purposes seems to be awesome at his job and he's been in the league forever. So he must be. And they take with their second round pick Jurgens, and they allow Kelsey to like, you know, oversee the operation. They mentor him. He likes Jurgens as a prospect. They take him and like, you know, two years from now when Kelsey's retired and he's doing a great job on TV or doing Eagles radio or his podcast with his brother, it's not going to be like, Oh, you know, you know, like when the jets had mangled, they've never had another good center since. And now they kind of have a decent one that they signed in free agency, but like, it's not going to be like, Oh, well, you remember when we had Kelsey and we had a good center. If only we had Kelsey on this line, it's going to be like, Oh no. Like we drafted Jurgens two years in advance because we knew this was coming and now we're just moving right through it. Like that's just the mark of a great organization. Yeah. It's an exciting time. I'm, I don't know. It was an easy Sunday, which is always nice. Uh, yeah. Cause I really thought that this was one I'd circled the beginning of the year. And then once the season started to develop, I thought that they kind of matched up well with the Eagles and could give them trouble, especially the way that the run uh, was looking, but Eagles, move on 12 and or 11 and one i mean it's super bowl or bust it really is uh yeah you want to get into you want to wrap up with just some college hoops i think we hit all the big games pretty much on the nfl the sunday night game's not really worth even the monday night game's not really worth talking about i mean i'm gonna bet on the saints because the books need the saints and if they lose i'm gonna be like well 
was I needed to bet on it because this is a horrible game and I don't really want to watch it. So yeah. Um college basketball, well boots, all boots on the ground for the Jimmy V classic, Iowa, Duke, Illinois, Texas, a couple great teams. I placed a future today of four teams to win their regular season conference. Um threw in Gonzaga and Houston, who are pretty heavy favorites, just to mm-hmm. juice it up a little bit. Juice so, it up, yep. Um, but then Arizona, who I love, uh, at plus 180, who's second favorite behind UCLA, and then Creighton, who's been my darling so far of this gambling season, um, at plus 150, their favorite to win the Big East over UConn, who's second. Um, but... From teams that I've watched, Creighton has been one of my favorites to watch. We're not going to talk about how they lost to Nebraska at home. Yeah, that was wild. Have, Nebraska they have, ball. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's seven footer, big man, def- last year's defensive player, Big East defensive player of the year. You got Bailey Baylor Shireman, who's three point specialist, um, and then Ryan Nimhard leading the way at the point guard. Come March, we know it's a guard dominated tournament. Um, a lot of people will remember Andrew Nimhard from Gonzaga, who's on the Pacers now. It's his younger brother. So kind of built like a team that I think can succeed in March. Uh, they played Texas, lost by five on the road in what is Texas's new arena, which might be the toughest place to play in college basketball. Place looks absolutely electric. Yeah. And Baylor uh, Shireman went one for 10 from three, missing his first nine threes and they lose that game by five on the road in a tough environment. Um, that Texas team is really, really good. I'm excited to see them tomorrow. Timmy Allen, obviously uh, a stud and they got a lot of transfer guys in there. Chris Beard's been doing it for a while, but I'm excited for to really get in the full swing of, of college basketball. But my favorite teams, I think are Arizona and Creighton are two of my, Early yeah, I love what Lloyd's doing at Arizona. That team was so fun last year. He had with Matherin and and Kerr and um, those big guys they had, uh, and a lot of them went to the NBA. And you you know you look at a, a new coach like that, and you're like, okay, you had your transfers mixed them in with like some under the radar guys on your team, and what are you going to do next? And he goes he goes to Texas, gets um, what's the guy's name? The guard they have now, Courtney Ramey. Yeah. Yeah. He gets him who was for all intents and purposes. I think he was at Louisville before he went to Texas, kind of a disappointment, his first two stops in college basketball. And he's been electric. They win the Maui with him uh, against Creighton in a pretty loaded field. And uh, then they go and they get a big guy from, uh, from Gonzaga who probably, you know, wouldn't have seen the floor there with Timmy staying, you know, three years, or I think he's in his, either third or fourth year now, but, uh, and he wins the Maui player of the tournament, uh, number 11, the big guy they have. And they're awesome. Yeah. And then Kerr has just gotten so much better. He's playing a lot more on ball last year. They kind of used him more as a shooter and they played Matherin on ball a lot, but I really like their team. They, they have a super cool, like uh balance of guys from like all over the world, which is fun to see in college basketball because you see a lot less of that nowadays. And mm-hmm. Arizona is actually one of the schools that's been uh, someone who brings kids from overseas before they go to the draft. Instead of them going to the, those European leagues, they had Laurie Markinen. Yeah. Even uh, Matherin is from 
he's from Canada, but he came to him by way of a prep school in Mexico city. So they're just like a really interesting team. Lloyd was the, uh, he was the assistant at Gonzaga with Mark few forever. So he's bringing kind of that type of West coast flavor, uh, kind of shine away from more of the, uh, Sean Miller did a lot of his recruiting in like those LA, uh, shoe leagues like the EYBL and the Under Armour Association where he would get guys like Aaron Gordon and they would kind of out athlete people and they never really did much. They had a lot of disappointing losses until he was able to get McConnell from Duquesne, the Pittsburgh transfer who kind of glued everything together. I think Lloyd's going with much more of the Gonzaga route of we're going to get extremely skilled players from all over the place. We're going to unearth gems. We're going to take transfers who necessarily didn't work that great at previous spots, or we're going to take transfer ups who didn't get the respect they would deserve out of high school to play at a high enough level. And I really like what they're doing there. They play extremely fast and they're super fun to watch. They play so fast. Yeah. Which it's, is it's kind awesome. of why I love them. Like it's so hard to keep up. They're scoring like 80 points might be their lowest output of the year. I'm pulling up their schedule. Like they, they lost to Utah. They kind of got shut down by Utah. They lost 81-66. But other than that, they're scoring 117, 95, 104, 101, 87, 81. They're putting up – they put up points. Which is um, rare in today's college basketball because you see so many coaches who try and just drag it through the mud, create these scoring droughts, these low-possession games to even the playing field. And they're just they're, – they're saying, screw it. We're going to get as many looks at the basket as we can, and we're going to out-talent you, which is – amazing to see that's more of like the the old school college hoops yeah and another team that plays like that um arkansas i think they're gonna be yeah. really good uh, they have a lot of really good young Maui. guys they lost a tough one to creighton um 90 87 no overtime that's mm-hmm. just two teams that play uh extremely fast they got um who anthony black uh incredible freshman He's so they have another guy who hasn't even played yet, right? Yeah, they they have uh, like Nicholas Smith. Yeah, he's like they're supposed to be like their guy, like their their lottery pick. Yeah, and he hasn't even played yet. He's just easing back in. Uh Muscleman obviously has done it. I think that they are in they might be one of the only teams to make it to like the Elite Eight the past two or three tournaments. Um like he's won in March. They're tough they knocked out gonzaga last year right yeah they did with so, uh they know how to with, get things well, done in march who's their guard note or whatever uh, uh they yeah, number yeah, one JD note last year yeah. and i mean eric muscleman just brings in talent uh they're a great team yeah. too they're ranked number nine so on my big board i would have them uh obviously kentucky um everyone knows i'm not a fan of this year's kentucky team. comes back i think the i don't SEC's- like their team I think I would pick Arkansas to win um, yeah. the SEC regular season. I think they just got a lot of guys, and they'll be able to stay focused where we've seen Kentucky. I don't know. Like, Kentucky was ranked high to start of the year. They haven't really impressed me. UNC started at number one. They've now lost four in a row. Lost, like, an ugly one to Virginia Tech yesterday. So uh, they're definitely not the same team without man. Caleb Love like shoots every time he touches the ball. Yeah, they played Alabama in quadruple overtime. He shot the ball 36, 37 times, um, which is incredible that you can even get that many shots up in a college game. Um, yeah, I think the biggest them. issue with those two teams or the the three teams, the the traditional powers of Duke, Kentucky, UNC. UNC's biggest issue is 
you had a bunch of guys come back, but not to go win one. They came back to go improve their draft stock. And they're all just like him and Baycott. That's going to be an issue all year. I could see them being like a six seed going into March and then maybe figuring it out kind of like last year. But I think the issue with Kentucky and Duke is the issue we've seen with them a lot lately, whereas their teams make no sense. They just take a bunch of talented guys and they're like, like I coach K just rolled the balls out and same with Kyle for the last however many years. And like Calipari, there, there's no shooting on that team outside of the Illinois state transfer and the Iowa transfer. And, and those guys don't start. They barely see the court. Like Oscar Sheway is your best guy who just lives down low and lives on the glass. You should have three, even four shooters around him at all times to spread the floor and kick out off the helps on the traps and stuff like in the post. And they just, they just throw a bunch of athletes out there and hope for the best. Like I, I don't think they're going to be, you know, a second weekend team. Same thing with Duke. You don't think they get to the second weekend? Uh, I guess it depends like how, like they, I mean, maybe they can make the sweet 16 and lose, but cause it's, it is still Kentucky and Duke, but I would say as of right now, they're not a top 15 team. Like, I think they have absolutely no chance of making any noise. Yeah. I mean, UConn, like UConn's another team that not a lot of people talk about, but uh, Adama Sanogo is like one of those dominant big men, which might not prove to be as important in March. Uh, But Hurley's going to surround them with, with a lot of guards. I don't really, yeah. And they're like, well, they're going to have talented guard play at UConn. Yeah. And uh, another team I really like, um, I like Texas, but obviously, like, I think Beard did a good job there of, you know, he has Marcus Carr, who it feels like he's been in college for 10 years because yeah. he was originally in Minnesota. They have Teddy Allen, another guy, feels like he's been in college for 10 years, but he was able to get these more longer term transfers. And then, you know, Courtney Ramey left. He gets a new point guard in Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, who fits a lot better. It's a better shooter. He doesn't need the ball quite as much. They have their bigs. They have two bigs who essentially just take charges and rebound and they don't need to shoot the ball. So it just fits together better. You know, they have the three guys who score and then the rest of their team fits like, um, and then I I like Illinois a lot too. Like you're going to see both those teams tomorrow, Terrence Shannon, he is defending like he's still at Texas tech, but he's shooting the ball. Like he is in the big 10 or actually shooting the ball. Like he's in the ACC. And they got, uh, we all remember Matthew Mayer from, yeah. From Baylor, from Baylor national championship with the mullet. Uh, yeah, it's a good, another good team. And their point guard who's a freshman is really good. They had a tough loss at college in college park at Maryland the other night on Friday. It was an awesome game. Uh, came down to the wire. Their big men aren't quite as athletic. Like they have this big, he is a, I want to say he's a sophomore number 42. He's just gigantic. He looks like Kofi Coburn. If Kofi Coburn like didn't get in shape. And he like plays somewhat similar, but he's not as much like a, a monster. And he just couldn't heavy hedge on a screen. And Maryland hit the clinching three, but that was an awesome game. And Maryland's going to be a good team this year, despite losing their top leading scores. They're moving a lot better and shooting the ball a lot better. So I think the Big Ten is going to be a gauntlet. Uh, Kofi Coburn is now. I, just I think he's playing in. Someone was telling me he's playing in like Japan or like yeah, Korea. Yeah, Japanese league. Yeah, crazy. He, he should have, if he stayed, he would have made millions in NIL like he did last year. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, it is ridiculous that some of these guys, uh, like Luke Garza, play of the year. He's yeah. not going to be an NBA guy. Drew Timmy, he's back, which, like, how the hell is he still eligible to play? I think he could be back next year, too. That would be incredible. I hope it happens. Yeah. I hope he's playing. I hope he, 
plays his whole career. Yeah, because he could get a COVID year. I think he could play two more. That would be unbelievable because he's old as shit. I yeah, maybe he's not. Um, but I think is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Not really. I mean, I'm, we're definitely going to talk more college hoops, like especially with this essentially a break from college football. I mean, bulls start up, I think, next Sunday, but we'll probably only touch on the bigger ones unless there's a fun one we want to talk about. Uh, Maybe NFL's we'll do a running little uh, run through our picks and we'll put something on the line. Maybe do like a little bull special. We pick all yeah, I'm 100% in for that. that. We could do that. We could probably announce our picks maybe a week from, you know, either a week from today. Yeah, we could do it next yeah. episode. We could each fill out a Bulls thing and just go through, put something on the line. Yeah, that Maybe we'll throw on a we, – we should throw one on the uh, Instagram, get a little ESPN poll so anyone that wants any, – anyone yeah. that listens can join in and we'll put something on the line if anyone wins. Um, we'll get whoever wins on for uh, for the college <laughs> preview for like a couple minutes because I'm sure we personally know everyone who listens, but – yeah. Um, if not, either. here's your chance. If this is yeah. like your your one risk. Some random kid wins that just found us awesome. on Spotify. That'd be wild. Build the brand. Um, we'll end with, during this, I got an alert. The four uh, Heisman finalists have been announced, invited to um, New York. Do you know who they are? Can you guess the four? I'm going to guess it's Caleb. Yes. Is CJ in there? Yes. Blake Corum. No. Oh wow. Uh Drake May? Nope. Oh. Uh Hennon Hooker. Nope. Um Max Duggan. Max Duggan and one more. It's not Bryce Young. No. Uh is it Stetson Bennett? It is Stetson Bennett. That's so fucking funny. There's a 25-year-old guy at the Heisman Trophy. I wonder how many Heisman Trophy winners he's older than. Well, he's older than Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow won the Heisman our junior year of college. <laughs> As a fifth year. As a fifth year. He did three years at OSU, and that was his second He's older than Joe Burrow? Yep. That seems wrong. I want to say, wait, wait. Someone told me that on Saturday. That could be wrong. Joe Burrow, 25. Joe Burrow turns 26 in less than a week. He's not that old. Hooks Stetson there. Bennett's 25. I know that. Oh, Stetson Bennett. I know he's older than Lamar Jackson. And Tua and Jalen Hurts. Stetson Bennett just turned 25, and what's his name? Joe Burrow's about to turn 26. Okay. But yeah, Lamar. So maybe he's not. Well, he's definitely older than Jalen Hurts. Tua. He's not older than Lamar. No, he's not. Lamar, because Jill Burrow was older than Lamar. That he's was older than Hurts, though. Yeah. And probably Tua. The bottom line is I can't wait till this he's COVID. Old. He's thing. old. He yeah. is old. Like, I cannot wait. So the COVID year, the last people who will have COVID years are people who were freshmen when we were seniors. June. Because, yeah. like, football, that- they got their COVID year the year that – because, remember, they initially canceled the Big Ten. and Yes, they, yes, well, yes. Yeah, so they got a COVID year when we were seniors. So the freshmen when we were seniors are currently juniors. So they have this year. They have next year. Those people will be seniors, and then they can do a fifth year. And 
if they redshirted. So we still have three more years where we could have sixth year players and it'd be like common in college football. Yeah. It's really Drew annoying. Timmy, Drew Timmy's in his fourth year, but he like played every game his freshman year. So yeah, next year would be his last, his year last year. COVID. Yeah. I doubt he'll come back, but he could. So I think he will. He's not going to. Yeah. If he's day. making, if he's making money in NIL, which he probably he is. Not everyone is. Roster. No. He'll be in Japan. He'll probably be, like, really good in, like, the Euro League. He'll probably play in, like, Lithuania. Yeah, so, like, uh, he would definitely come back to Gonzaga. I'd rather be in college making millions than anywhere in the I'd probably rather be in college making nothing than in Europe, where I don't speak the language. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, and the COVID year, I mean, they should have just given it to seniors is my personal opinion. Like, if you were a freshman during COVID and you were going to play, you'd probably already went to the NFL. And if you were a freshman during COVID and you really want to play a sixth year, like, I don't know. But I think that was a, a lot of shit went wrong because we had no idea what to do. And it was a little life-altering event. So. And due to that, we have 26 and or 25 year olds making the Heisman ceremony and we yep. will for three more years. So, yeah, it's crazy. If someone gets hurt, maybe they're even older. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for this week. Dom, enjoy the Jimmy V classic. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week to everyone else. Um, apologies that Ohio state will not go away, but you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a little more entertaining now on new year's eve so till next time dom catch you at the next water break